Good evening, lovely people. It is Thursday, December 22nd. The shorthanded Lopes escaped the Bengals of Idaho State with a victory. Not without the stress that we've come accustomed to, though. The Lopes close out the non-conference slate with a 9-4 and record and will open up conference play on Thursday, December 29th at home against the 8-4 and Lancers of Cal Baptist. We have plenty to discuss tonight, and we are excited to dive into our conversation and hope you are too. A new episode of Win the Whack 2.0 starts now. Big bucket by McMillan for three. Dishes out the blaster for three. Go! Harrison. Up high. Put back by the corner. Push back out. Harrison quickly to the clock and drives baseline. Barrel. No doubt about it. Oh, Barrel, you bounced out of your seat on that. I never thought you with a big right hand. Give a look for three point advantage. So earlier today, I uh, I was really excited to watch the Seattle Utah State game that that started at three uh, three o'clock. Um, we're recording this a little earlier than usual, given that Sunday is Christmas. So if you're thinking, "Hey, that was a while ago," uh, yeah. Um, but but I was I was really excited to watch this, and I realized it was on ESPNU, and I realized that I have like every ESPN channel except for ESPNU for some reason. So I was really upset. I was like, "Oh man, I'm not going to get to watch." Uh, this game but i was only going to get to watch the first half because I, I was hanging out with with a friend with this girl and we went to uh, one of my favorite restaurants the olive garden um and so <laughs> yeah okay it's, sorry. A, it's a great it's a, it's, an autumn, it's a w yeah so so i was like bummed out i was like all right i'm not gonna get to watch this whatever so i so i go with my friend we walk into the olive garden and what do i see on the tv but the seattle u utah state game <laughs> yes sir so then yeah. So I was like, I was like, like really enjoying it. I was like, oh, this is great. Like this game is on. But then, but then I had to deal with like the, the dilemma of like, I can't just like watch sit the game here with this girl. Yeah. Like I can't be like, Hey, can we actually sit in the bar so I can watch two college basketball teams that you've never heard of play? Um, so we sat just like wherever they, they sat us and there was a TV from, from where we were like so far away. So I'm like occasionally like kind of like peeking at this TV from like really, just like really far away. Just like, all right, what's going on? And like watching Seattle, you miss like 38 threes or however many they missed. <laughs> and so it got to the point where like, at one point, uh, this girl was like, Hey, like, what are you doing? And so I had to, I had to, I had to admit it, which is like, Hey, you see that TV over there? She's like, yeah. I was like, okay there's this college basketball game and it's between Seattle U and Utah tech. And then she was like, Oh, are you a fan of one of those teams? And I was like, no, no, I'm not I'm actually the opposite of one of those. Yeah, I'm not. And so then I got this confused look. And so I had to explain, I was like, Oh, uh, well it's for this podcast I do. And then immediately I was like, Oh, that <laughs> was a mistake. Um, she got up and left. Right. Yes. No, but, uh, <laughs> but safe to say, um, so, so, so Seattle, U. well, they lost by 28 to Utah state. Uh, they've still, <laughs> uh, done me in on this fine evening. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, just more reason to dislike them, huh? <laughs> no, I don't dislike <laughs> Seattle. U. They're where they belong now. I don't have to make fun of them anymore. That that's true. Actually, um, hold up on that. Not having to make fun of them anymore thing. Cause, um, we got something in the chamber. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Not not right now, but we'll we'll get to that. It's it's a listener question. Okay. <clears throat> Anyways, let's uh um, let's head into um 
my favorite segment, questionable scenarios with Connor. Perfect. <clears throat> it's going to be a little different this week, Zach. You're, you're going to be a little bit uh, thrown off because this is not the same template that you're used to. <clears throat> Choose yeah. one. We get every Lopes player to 100% health, but you have to take on all of their current injuries, ailments, and sicknesses for the rest of the season. In doing so, you ensure that the Lopes are at 100% health until the end of the season. Or current injuries remain and new injuries can still occur as normal. Okay, so Blackshear's got an ankle injury. <clears throat> yep. And Wyo has, well, like a broken wrist, a broken hand. Something like that that was just okay. operated on. So, What you are would... our other injuries other than the wrist and the ankle? I have, I do not know. I don't think we have any. You know, other than it. maybe like some some bumps and bruises just from yeah the basic I don't think grind. it's anything I don't think it's anything that would keep me from doing my job so I think I do it okay for the, for the boys I do it for the boys I take the broken wrist it would make I'd have to oh man I like I'd have to like play tennis with my left hand when I'm like feeding drills and coaching yeah it is what it is but I can uh, yeah that's a sacrifice I'll, I'll feed drills to my high schoolers with my left hand for for the lopes that's a sacrifice. I'm I'm willing to make. Okay. So so things Zach is willing to do for the Lopes now is become a Somali pirate. Yep. And serve left-handed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess I guess this question comes with a little bit of another question is how much do you think the Lopes being at 100% really improves our chances of winning the whack? Well, I think a lot. And I think that was evident in in that Idaho State game. Sure. Um, I have what little faith, and we'll get into this when we talk about the game, but what little faith I had in our ability to like be the the team that wins the whack uh was like shattered by what I saw. And not because like, and obviously we can say like, oh, it was just one game, it was a fluke, but it was I think telling of a problem, which is without YO, our defense kind of looks lost and our offense has always looked lost. Right. So if we're now, if our defense isn't going to be good, I think our teams are just not very good. Um, but so hopefully we figure something out there because we looked really bad on defense without YO and he, it sounds like he might miss the rest of the season. So this is not great. Yeah. Yeah. I have another question for you. Um, okay. It's not necessarily a questionable scenario, but I think it's, I think it's hilarious and I want to hear what you have to say about it. If you could pick any college basketball team and any scenario for that team to receive a <laughs> what happened uh video <laughs> who would it be and what would the scenario be you i see uh, what happened uh, how did you lose to new um oh man this is so funny it's it's funny just because it's on the front of my mind because like we were kind of making that joke today, like Seattle, you, uh, what happened? Uh, <laughs> um, I, I it would got it would have to be New Mexico State. I just there's not a team in college basketball that I dislike as much as New Mexico State. So I think it just comes down to like what is the most painful, like like what is the most painful what happened video? I guess like it would have to be like. Here's what's hard, right? It would have to be an NCAA tournament loss. But the idea with those videos is usually that's for like if you're the favorite and you lose, right? Like if New Mexico State's a 12 seed and loses to the five seed, no one's making that video because it's like they weren't supposed to win, you know? 
Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, so yeah. it would have to be like a situation where they were supposed to win. Like, like I would say like they beat GCU twice this year and then lose to us, like in the like whack title game by 30. Right. Like yes. that would be a scenario that would, would grant that is like, they smoke us all year and then lose to us like that. That, that I think would probably be the, the most realistic scenario, obviously to say like, Oh, they like, they lose to like Gonzaga by 56, but like, then it wouldn't like, it wouldn't be as enjoyable. Cause like, yeah, they're supposed to lose, you know? Sure. I would say losing to the Lopes after beating us twice in the conference tournament. So I guess another question that comes with that is, would you rather the Lopes beat New Mexico state three times this year, you know, home away, and then preferably in the conference championship, or would you rather them win the conference championship against New Mexico state with a loss or two during the regular season? Yeah, I, I'll take a loss in the regular season. I think it'll be, I think it'll be good for the. Makes the it more of a, a fun narrative, right? Yeah, it does. And I think also too, like looking back to the last time, like we actually were able to beat them was like, we just, we beat them three times. Like I think we beat them twice and then we beat them in the conference tournament. But then they were like, that was just kind of like, like New Mexico state just asterisk that, you know, of like, Oh, like we just weren't a real team that year. Yeah, right. Cause it was and the I think COVID they year actually, and they were playing in Phoenix right. all year. Yeah. And I think if they actually beat us once, right. And then still lose to us, then I, they would be like, you have no excuse. We're just better or whatever, sure. which I don't think we are, but, um, but yeah. Yeah. With that, oh, actually, I wanna I wanna share what mine would be. I actually have I have two. Okay. <laughs> one is one is the dreamer one, and then the other one is the the recency bias one. <laughs> so the recency bias one is I would <laughs> I would love a what happened uh, video done for Arizona State. Oh my gosh! Yeah, they just deserve just deserved. like you know nothing new is under the sun, and they got ranked into the top 25 for the first time this season on Monday. Yep. And then exactly what we said they do. Right. And then yeah. was it last night they went and played yep. uh, uh, San Francisco who just lost to UT Arlington, by the way. And they lost yeah. to San Francisco by like 40 points. Yeah, ASU. Uh, terrible. What happened? Uh, this so that's, is, and that's yeah. Yeah. That's my oh, yeah. funny one. That's that's a good one. And we yeah. both kind of said this on Twitter, but uh, we said it on the podcast and we were making fun of ASU on Twitter about this. But this is the most like ASU thing ever. It's like they actually like have dominated some like really good power conference teams. Their only loss prior to this was against Texas Southern at home, which is like a horrible loss. But then they have some really good wins. And then they're finally ranked, right? So for them to finally get ranked and then lose by 40 to a mid-major is just like, it's just like perfect ASU. It's like the most they're going to like, they're going to go beat UCLA in a couple weeks. Right. Just like, they're just the most unpredictable team on planet earth. Yeah. yeah that, that, that one is kind of funny to me. And then my, uh, the one that I, I would like to hope for is very similar to yours. I don't care who it is, but whoever is playing GCU in the conference championship, if that are, that were to happen, like say Sam Houston state or New Mexico state, it would just be hilarious to me. And it would really, especially with New Mexico state fans, just tick off some particular ones that are on Twitter that I'm not a fan of. <laughs> um, yeah. I, yeah. And I, I would reshare that over and over and over and over again. Yeah, they'd, never, they'd never hear the end of it all off season. Yeah. With that, let's hop into some listener questions. We got a couple. All right. Here we go. Um, yeah. Here, let me, 
Let me pull them up really quick. Listener questions are on Twitter. We tweet out a couple hours before recording. So if you enjoy the podcast and you have questions for us, just keep an eye out for for our tweets. And if if you have a question for us, we'd love to address it on the podcast. So the first question is... If you're listening to this, please follow us on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Twitter is our favorite place to be. So yeah. Yeah, a lot of good content over there. Win the WAC 2.0 on Twitter. So our first question comes from... Uh, our good friend, Ryan Medford. What are the chances of win the whack live commentating at a game? Ooh, man. I'll let you go. That would be hard first. to arrange. I think that'd be really cool. Um, Like, okay. Live commenting, live commenting at a game is probably unlikely. Like for us to actually be in the building, like calling the game. I just, I don't know how that would work. Not unlikely. I would say on like impossible. Impossible. Yeah. We could definitely like, we could probably well i don't know definitely we could probably like do a live like almost like a live react or like a live stream of the game over zoom we could probably do that it's also hard too because you know you don't live in the same state (laughs) exactly we're talking about so that that (laughs) puts some limits on it but we could we could maybe do that do like a live almost like a live live react that you know we'll get like copyright striked for just like straight up streaming the game we probably will, but well, we're not monetized, so um, true. We'll see. Um, I was actually thinking now it wouldn't happen this time around because too late notice. But I think it would be cool is if we it wouldn't even necessarily have to be live, but like a pregame kind of thing for a game that I'm able to go to down in Phoenix, um, where we like posted almost like college game day, you know where we post yeah. it up even though like nobody cares about us at all. And we'd just be sitting at a table dressed way, way too overdressed. And that would uh, be so funny. It just would at, be like, hilarious. Just at a table in front of the arena. Exactly. I think that'd be so funny, but Rip then we could just be asking to go to GCU. Yeah. Right. We could just ask the students really stupid questions and they literally will not listen to our podcast ever. So it doesn't matter whether we put it on or not. So that would be so funny. Actually, It would be really funny. And I'm just imagining it like, all we have is like a Bluetooth speaker that's broadcasting what we're saying to everybody in the crowd who is not paying attention to us. And then we just got this like <laughs> tiny little table and you and I are dressed in, um, in suit and ties and everything, just looking absolutely overdressed and ridiculous and think we were way more important than we are. We would get kicked out so fast. Yeah, it is what it is. All right. The second <laughs> question, sweet. Zach. This is this okay. is one I'm really excited about. Okay, this is from another good friend of ours, John Mark Boucher. He was also on the first episode of Win the Whack 2.0. I'm really excited for this. If for right, some crap, what? Sorry. All right, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Okay. Good. Let's hear if it. for some catastrophic reason the Big Twelve dissolved and all of its member schools became WAC members, what logic would the Wimmers use for still having Seattle U as the second best team in the conference? <laughs> I'm pulling up I'm pulling up um pulling up the Big 12 on Ken Palm trying to figure out how the Wimmers would justify Seattle U being number 2 over like Kansas and Baylor and everybody else So okay so the University of Gonzaga is in the West Coast Conference. 
Yeah. And they are currently 0-2 against the, the Big 12, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, uh, the Big 12 has beaten the West Coast Conference perennial twice. But but you see, what, what we're not taking into account is that Seattle U, I believe, actually has three wins against the West Coast Conference. And the last time I did math, three was more than two. So I, I got to say Seattle's number one in the winners there. I mean, they have three wins against the West Coast Conference, and, <laughs> and that's the conference Gonzaga's in. So I'm going to say Seattle's number two. Um, Sam Houston somehow is still number one because they're like number seven in the country. And then like Baylor's probably three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it all makes sense. Yeah. yeah. The, the Wimmers is clearly the best option for, for our seating system. Don't even get me started on the Wimmers this week. <laughs> it's gotten worse. It was last week. I tried to be like, it might not be that bad. It's, it's gotten a lot worse since last week. <laughs> well, I, uh, I can only imagine how much worse it would get if the Big 12 were to dissolve and and the WAC were to, you know, invite all those teams to come and join us. Could you imagine a world where no. Kansas no. is in the in the WAC? No, I can't. I cannot imagine that. <laughs> and they're playing GCU at crazy. GCU on a yearly basis. GCU wouldn't even be the craziest thing because, like, okay, part of it, too, is, like, I feel like when I watch certain teams or schools or buildings it's like there's like a very clear difference but i feel like gcu's like arena and quality of like when they stream a game feels more real like not to say it's on the level of like a power conference team but like when you're watching a gcu game compared to like other wax schools it feels more like oh like this is like it looks like a pretty it looks like a bigger stadium that's packed and and new mexico state's kind of the same way right the pan am arena is awesome uh, usually it's pretty sold out, but then I'm thinking like, God, not to bag on them again, but like Seattle, you, they're like high school gym with like 140 people there and like a blow up Red Hawk in the corner. Just like, ah, <laughs> right. With, like with like one camera that goes like side to side and it like can, it goes, it doesn't like follow the play. It goes like one half court harder to the other half court. So anything happening around the half court, you just don't get right. Like that would just be so funny to like, watch the university of kansas like play there and like that's the like that's on espn national television yeah just like, imagine just yeah imagine seattle u hosting kansas texas right. baylor you know tcu all these teams once a year just or, so fun as you as you described high school arena yeah it is it is look i don't know why i i notoriously have actually kind of been fond of Seattle U and I don't know why this year I just for whatever reason I'm roasting this program but their <laughs> arena does make me laugh whenever I see it and it's cute it's cute <laughs> <laughs> let's uh let's hop into the game from this week against Idaho State what are your thoughts I am concerned okay um prior to the game we we found out about the injury to YL uh, apparently it was, and this was what was said on the game cast is he actually got injured on the very first play of the previous game. Oh, I didn't uh, catch showed, that. Yeah. They showed the clip of like, he like something happened to his hand on like literally the first play. He was like trying to get a rebound and, but then just played the rest of the game. So I thought that was weird, but he was, he was kind of a late scratch. We didn't know what the deal was there. Uh, Igehan ended up starting in his spot, we found out he did end up getting surgery. So he'll miss today today. Yeah. Yep. So he will miss some amount of time. Uh, that sounds like it's prolonged. So we might not see him for a little while. Um, so that, that was tough. Um, I think that we really missed him on the defensive end of the court and, and our defense, especially early on in this game, 
part of it too was like, man, it just kind of felt like they were shooting really well. Like Idaho State kind of shot the lights out for a period in that game. But I also kind of think like maybe the defense just wasn't very good. And that's why they were, they were just getting easier shots. But I think not having YO there kind of made our, our defense like feel weird. I don't know. They couldn't yeah. get into a rhythm on defense. I think towards the uh, middle of the first half, we started to, you know, get our footing defensively and then yeah. a little bit offensively as well. They didn't look so bad as they did in the first 10 minutes. That, that yeah, But like you said, the defense completely looked lost in those first 10 minutes of the, of the first half. And, you know, we've, we've had complaints about, um, about the team being really Jekyll and Hyde and having really great stretches and then really awful stretches. I, yeah. I don't want to classify or, or, or catalog this instance with, with those kind of instances, just because we've talked about how much of a defensive anchor YO has been for the team. And, you know, we've, we've also had complaints about him not being super athletic and not being much of a scoring threat and also sometimes being a liability offensively. Sorry. That's, that's from me. <laughs> um, but we've always kind of said, you know, YO is a really good defender and, and, and we've kind of questioned whether or not um, Aiden Igehan should get more minutes than he has been getting. And I think what we really saw in this game was how much of an influence YO really has on the team defensively and actually that he is more of an offensive threat than we gave him credit for, or at least I gave him credit for. But in those first 10 minutes, I just don't want to classify it as a Jekyll and Hyde situation just because we're missing a guy who basically was a dominant defensive force. And to just hop into that situation right away and and expect to have the same defensive results would be kind of negligent on our part. But at the same time, it was still really bad. And what I noticed was Idaho State really had kind of a field day early on with the big men scoring. And that yeah. comes down to the whole YO situation again, where those that's, that's his area to guard was the paint and they, they were scoring a lot near the paint on the block and in the paint. So defensively, yeah, not a great showing at the beginning. Yeah. I, I will say that I, and I, I'm sure you'll probably agree with this. I was undervaluing, what YO actually provides for this team. And I know Absolutely. It's, it's interesting that this happened now because last week in that Pepperdine game, I think I brought up the question of like, man, are we better off having Gahan in there? Uh, yeah, and I think we, the answer to that question yeah. is no. Right. And so, and that, but that was the thought is like, oh, just like, he just doesn't do enough on offense and like he's slow. And I, I just think now like watching what happened, uh, the reason that he plays for as much as he does is because his defense inside is awesome. And like what happened to us in the first 10 minutes of that game against a team that is not like not great. Like we didn't get dominated by some like really good team. Like we're talking like a team in the three hundreds, a team whose like offensive efficiency is, is also in the three hundreds just and like embarrassing us in the paint, like several plays in a row would never happen with YO in there. And it also felt too, I think one of the like one, and I, I, I said this, this on the Wacoops Digest post when he posted why I was out is why does a lot of stuff that doesn't reflect on the box score. And one of those things is 
I actually think the way he plays defense, I think he's really good at actually playing post defense off the ball and denying those passes into the paint. And then when the ball does get into the paint, I think his like paint, his like post defense is just better. But having him, it, it also felt too like him not being there led to like balls getting into the paint more than I think we're used to. And it kind of felt like everyone else was rattled too. Like it felt like the whole team, like, Idaho State was able to do things on offense that previously teams had not been able to do against us. And I think that kind of threw everyone off, right? This team is just blowing by us and now getting layups on, on the paint. And now everyone has to adjust. And so that was like really bad. Like it was a really hard adjustment to make. And, and I think we were fortunate that we, you know, ultimately played a team that's not great. And when we were able to have that like really, really bad start as we like try to make adjustments without one of our without one of our main guys. Unfortunately, we were able to still win the game. So, and I, I do think like not to be like a, like, you know, again, we hate moral victories, but it's one of those things where this was like kind of a nightmare on like, we're missing a guy that we haven't previously missed and things are going really poorly and we have to make adjustments. And so the fact that we were still able to win the game, even though we won by two and we were like 15 point favorites, I think is, is good. Um, although there were, it, why I was going to be out for probably, you know, the rest of the regular season, it sounds like. It sounds like he's maybe trying to come back for Whack Vegas is kind of the early like speculation. So we gotta figure something out. Yeah. I'm trying to remember something that you said that I wanted to kind of build off of. But um you were talking about and I was also talking about a little bit about how the first half, especially that f- first like eleven minutes of the first half, they were dominating us in the paint. They you said that they they were able to do something against the Lopes that nobody has been able to do before. And I recall watching the game and um, Barry, Barry Butel said, we're at 26 points here and there's still 10 minutes left in, in the half. We thought that this was a team that the Lopes could be holding under, under 30 points in the half and hopefully being able to have a great defensive showing. Um, They had 26 points with eight fifty left in the first half. They scored a total of three points in that half afterwards. So the Lopes did really lock down uh, down the stretch of the first half. The second half was a little different. That was just a a grinded out, like I kind of said last week uh, about, you know, give a punch, take a punch. That was a back and forth half, and it was really entertaining to watch, but really uh, annoying considering the fact that we know that Idaho State isn't very great and that we should not have any difficulty with beating them, but it, it, it was, I mean, it, it was interesting. Yeah, it was. And, and this was too, like that. Yeah, that is a, that is a good point. They were just able to score really, really easily early. And I, I think, I do think we cleaned it up a little bit as the game went on. And, and, and so part of it to say, like, I, I don't know how much I'm putting into that in that, like, you know, we obviously had to, like we had to adjust to something that we had never had to do before. And as the course of the game went along, we got more comfortable with it. And I think as the season goes along, right. Without YO, we'll, we'll get more comfortable with it. So not to say that like, yeah, the rest of the season is going to be like this game where other teams just score 40 points in the paint. We just can't do anything. I think we'll figure it out, but I think it's fortunate that we had a game to figure it out against a not so good team that we could still beat. Um, yeah. No kidding. But yeah. I mean, we allowed 66 points. That's the fifth most we've allowed this season. And this mm-hmm. is the lowest ranked team that we played all season besides the two non-division one teams. So that's obviously not very good. Uh, sure. This is a team who's 
whose offensive efficiency is number 325 in the country, so very near the bottom. And they just made it look easy. They they were, but it was both too. Like they were they were killing us in the paint, but they were also making just like their their shooting percentage kind of felt crazy in the first half. And I, and I think part of it is because we were getting dominated in the paint, we were like prioritizing defending the paint, which gave up more open outside shots than we usually would. Uh, and they kind of took advantage of that. Yes, we struggled defensively in that first 10 minutes of the first half. And yes, the second half, they scored more than they did in the first half, which, you know, looking at it might appear a little bit concerning. However, I would like to point out that, like we said, the first 10 minutes, they were just getting really easy open looks down at the basket um, just because their big guys were dominating us. In the second half, I think really what happened scoring-wise was they were just incredible at finishing contested shots. Like, it was amazing how many contested, like, you know, kind of baskets that you would not expect to drop were dropping for them. Um, I also don't want to, I guess, defend the Lopes in any way or, or make this performance less disappointing than it than it actually is but <clears throat> i will say this idaho state despite being you know ken palm 300 something i thought they were really decent um, execution wise i don't think they're incredibly talented in their roster but what i saw was they they set some really hard pin down screens around the free throw line that really opened up the top of the key for their guards which in turn uh helped with them feeding the post and then also, you know, getting some kickouts that they were able to knock down. Um, another thing too, they set their screens so hard on the pick and roll, which guards rubbed really tight off of, which actually put some of our defenders on the floor a few times. Did you notice this? I did. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, Holy cow. Why are we just running into brick walls here? Yeah. Um, and so I, I thought they were really decent when it came to execution. They, they did a good job of, you know, pushing GCU defensively and making them defend really hard and making them um, execute really well on defense. And when it came down to it, what I noticed was, like I said, they were making really hard contested shots that I don't think you're going to see a lot of teams make at such a high percentage. And I don't think even uh, Idaho State is going to make those shots that regularly ever again, too. Could be totally wrong. But also, if you look at Idaho State's schedule, their one big loss is... Washington, correct? Yeah, they have eight losses by ten points or less. Exactly out of their ten losses, and and the two some of those against ten teams. Yeah, and the two that are by more than ten are Utah by twelve, and then Washington by a lot. But like we're talking four point loss to BYU, right? Uh, Some other good like overtime losses to some some not so great teams on the road. Um, Obviously, a really close loss to GCU. But yeah, like they they don't like get blown out very often. They got blown out once all season. And for a team that's three and ten, that kind of seems surprising when they played like three top one hundred teams. Exactly. That's uh, not that GCU deserves to be defended in that sense, but I, I don't want to discredit Idaho State at all because they, I, like I said, I thought they were really good when it came to execution on what they were doing offensively. Yeah. Um. My biggest disappointment in the game, and this. This is more of a joke, actually, is we didn't get to see 32 um, Lee shoot a free throw. 
Oh, we, we didn't get to see him do his his man jumper, floater, free throw. That's really unfortunate. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something else about free throws. Yes, the uh, defensive free throw percentage. Yeah, they're no longer they're low. They're no longer last in the nation yeah, because in we shot pretty badly. We shot. Exactly. We did not shoot very well from the line. We ruined it. I know we, that was, we really had to go and ruin it. That was kind of our joke from the last podcast. One of the stats that Ken Palm keeps track of is uh, opponent free throw percentage, which is the funniest thing ever. Because like, how do you have any effect over that at all? But they're like worst in the country opponent free throw percentage. And then of course we went out and shot twelve for eighteen, so sixty seven percent, sixty six point seven percent. Yeah, not um, great. And, and moved them up. So they had a good night defending the free throw line. <laughs> hey, props to Idaho State. Way to yeah. go, guys. You did good. <laughs> Man, that was... But yeah, that was a tough one. I guess, um, yeah, we're kind of in a hard a hard spot with GCU right now. Um, just like a lot of injuries. We haven't really... Like, it feels like every... it like, And I don't mean to like be critical here, but it feels like every game there's a play where... Blackshear like goes down bad on his ankle and has to leave. And then it's like, it's like how I imagine being a Lakers fan and watching Anthony Davis is where like every time he goes down, you're like, this is it. He's done. Like, this is it, you know? And that's kind of how I feel watching Blackshear, which makes me sad because like I do always think like he has once a game where he like goes down really badly on his ankle or like lands on someone else's foot and then has to come out. And it's like, oh, like, is this, did he actually do something serious this time? Um, so that that's unfortunate that he is, is continually, it sounds like, you know, he wants to play. He's probably not fully recovered, and then he just keeps re-aggravating it, which I, I get because he, you know, he wants to play. Well, yeah, and he got his foot stepped on, right? There was that one play where the yeah, was it McKenzie? I think drove yeah in the in the Idaho hit. State game, yeah, yep. And then jump stopped in the lane, and while right. jump stopping, stepped on Blackshear's foot, yeah. and Blackshear fell backwards. So yeah, so I think that was the, the game foot before of the that. same ankle. So right, and then the game before that, he stepped on. Yo's foot. Oh, Yo crushed like, his foot. Yo stepped on his foot. Yeah. yeah. So it just like, and you know, like you're playing basketball. Like your ankles are gonna get like you're gonna get tangled up. Um. So that's just like you know he's he's fighting through and he's still playing and I, I appreciate that. But now with the Yo injury, it does feel like injuries kind of hurt and it's hard to know. Like man, uh, in a world where Blackshear is getting kind of like getting banged up, Yo is gonna miss a lot of time. We're already kind of like. We have, there's already a lot of question marks about this team on the offense, and a lot of new question marks have um, arisen uh, about the defense after that game. Uh, I feel less confident than I would like to, given that the non-conference is now over and we're heading into conference play. It is nice there's a nine-day rest between that Idaho State game and our first conference game, so it's the, the 20th and the 29th is our first game against Cal Baptist, and it is at home, so Hopefully the long rest will, will be good for, for Blackshear and the rest of the boys. Cause I know we're kind of banged up. Um, it'll be interesting to see what, what coach Drew can cook up as far as uh, what changes are going to be made to the offense and defense, like strategy without YO. So it'll be interesting to see if we do anything differently there, or if we kind of just try to have the adapt, or if we go with someone else besides the uh, I, I don't know. I guess the, the other question um, was regarding Isaiah Shaw. So um, for those of you that don't know, Isaiah Shaw, he's a freshman at GCU this year. He actually uh, is from Las Cruces, New Mexico. He won the New Mexico High School State Player of the Year. Isn't that Carr? Oh. What did I say? Isaiah Shaw. Oh, that's a different guy. Yeah, Isaiah Carr. Sorry. Yeah. Isaiah Carr is the, the freshman who um, uh, 
is redshirting right now, but he's, he's a seven footer. He's from Las Cruces, New Mexico. He was a high school player of the year. He was very good. Um, and obviously he's redshirting to kind of learn and, and watch the system. But now that YO is out and it seems like Gahan is kind of our only five in our system. McLaughlin did a really good job on the boards, but I don't think he's not like a center by nature. Um, so the question, yeah, same thing with Bauman. Um, he's more of like a stretch four. <clears throat> um, and so the yeah. question has, has come up, which is like, are they going to wave cars red shirt? Is he going to play? So that that's like kind of something to keep an eye on as of now. I know that was the rumor coming into the Idaho state game is why not going to play. We might see Isaiah Carr. Carr did not receive any minutes in that game. So as of now, the red shirt is, is still on. Um, and there's a certain amount of games that you're allowed to play and still maintain your red shirt. I don't know what that four. amount is. Is it four? Okay. Um, he's played in none, but yeah, but yeah exactly. so I don't know if we'll see him. Um, but, but that might be something to keep an eye on. I, I yeah, I, I guess like, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what they do with that, but it'll be interesting to see if he, if he comes into play, but yeah. Well, and I, I was watching the, uh, post game interview with coach Bryce drew and he had said, or there was a question asked of, you know, you guys had to go small because of YO being out and, Egeon couldn't play ample minutes. And so they had to go small. And he said, yeah, we don't want to go small, but we kind of had to. We're going to have to figure out how to manage that moving forward. And so whether that includes Isaiah Carr and burning that red shirt or what, I don't know. The real question is, like, is this freshman really going to, you know, fix the defensive woes that we had without YO and then maybe add something to the offense that's actually valuable or would it just be better for him to maintain his red shirt and develop in the program over time? I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's probably, it's probably the latter, but I think it's easy to say like we really need depth at the center and we have this really highly recruited guy. Like it, it seems to make sense to, to plug and play here, but maybe, maybe the, the long-term thing is we are halfway through the season. He hasn't played. If he does play, like he'll probably be coming off the bench for Gahan. Like, what kind of impact is he even going to have? You know, um, and since we're already halfway through the season, I, I think the right thing to do is to just redshirt him um, and just like try to make it work. But yeah, that is that is tough. Like, we don't have a lot of depth um, with with our big man. We got to see Logan Landers, uh, some <laughs> Logan Landers minutes um, in that last game. I really like Landers um, just because uh, I don't know if you watched. Uh, he for the last several games prior to the Idaho State game, he hasn't really gotten a lot of playing time. Um, but he is to me the like he's like a 2K NPC where like when the camera pans to like GCU playing, you see like and like someone scores, you would like the first person I always see is like Landers on the bench, just like screaming, like, let's go after like he's the, he's after, the team like, guy. and Aliyuk. He is so like he's just like he's like a spark. I kind of like him a lot for that. Uh, I really like seeing him on the bench, like hype the boys up. So it was cool to see him uh, get minutes. I I wasn't actually super thrilled with what I saw from him in those minutes. Um, so so I, I don't know if you agree with me or not. There, yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Yeah. So I, I'd love to see maybe a, I don't know. I, I'd love to see if if he can do some some more. It'd be great. He did. I mean, he played at Kansas State last year. So you know, he's there's some. Hopefully he he can be. Um, of some more value. Um, but yeah, I, I'm really concerned with our post defense without YO. I think Gahan kind of got burned on the paint. I think uh, everyone kind of got burned on the paint. It was actually McLaughlin who kind of like 
later in the game in the second half was like kind of getting chippy with their big man. Yeah. There was like some points of like they were getting in each other's faces. He was going hard at him, but like I don't think that's McLaughlin's role. Like I don't think his role is to like battle in the paint with their five. Um, I think he kind of stepped into that because that's what we really needed this game. But I think I would like to see him be able to do other things. But but yeah, that I mean that'll just be something you know Bryce Drew's got to put this puzzle together, which is like what's our what gives us the best product on the on the offensive end and on the defensive end without YO. Um, so we'll see, we'll see, uh, what we can figure out. We have a little while before our next game, but yeah, so that those are kind of the question marks now is like, it's hard to even predict and and look ahead given, you know, we, we don't know what it's going to be with, with health and with depth chart changes. Sure. You know, the old adage, you never know what you got till it's gone. Yeah. I just, I, I would like to make a public apology to Y.O., forever doubting his his value for the team <laughs> cuz at this point it, it, things are looking pretty grim without him and that's just not a place i want to be in but like you said McLaughlin really stepped up especially in that role of defending in the paint and uh it's just a question of whether or not that's going to be sustainable for for conference play yeah. but uh i i do want to chat really briefly about that little clip that I sent you um, from the post-game press conference that I had mentioned earlier with Bryce Drew. Yeah. You know, we've been really thankful our, our first two years here. We really haven't had injuries. Um, you know, we've had a little maybe ankle with um, a player that missed a game here and there, but pretty much guys uh, stayed healthy and played. And, and, and this year it's kind of been a, a whirlwind just across our whole team with different different injuries and, and sicknesses and, and, and things. And so, um, you know, obviously it hurts. You know, um, Ivan's so tough. He, he wants to play. Like he came and said, Coach, I'll play with a broken hand. Like, I'm fine. I'll get surgery after season. And, you know, we had multiple doctors say, like, no, you need to get it operated mm-hmm. on right now. But that just shows you the mentality and what we miss out there on the court, um, you know, with, with his toughness and, and especially on that defensive end. He just not only does he guard his man, but he guards so many other men, you know, out on the court and protects us in so many ways. But the hope is to get him back during uh, during conference play for the stretch run. For sure, you know, um, you know, we're going to try to get him back as quick as we can. Um, the doctors are, you know, already getting a plan to to try to get him back as soon as possible. We won't rush anything to jeopardize his career. But uh, once he's good to go, I know he'll be uh, he'll be more than excited to get back out there. So a couple takeaways from that: we had discussed in a few podcasts ago how there's a possibility that there's just he's just a guy that the coaching staff really likes and um that they see some intangibles from him and that that's kind of where my my apology comes from is you know yo man he he's just some some guy that he's just a guy that is a stud defensively and 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 coach talking about that whole thing about him saying you know coach i can play with a broken hand and all this stuff guy's a dog you know, he wants to get out there and he wants to go play and he, yeah. he wants to get physical and chippy with those guys. And I, I just think that's really awesome. And, you know, I will never say another bad word about YO ever again. You can hold me to it. I swear. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. It was the, all of the, all of the doubting was wrong immediately when we saw those like first five defensive possessions in this game, I thought, Oh, that's this why. Is because why he's the yeah. starter <laughs> because it was easy to say like or i guess like it was easy to say like yeah our defense is really good and our offense is really bad and, and if only we had someone else our offense would be better but we were neglecting to think that 
the reason our defense is so good is because of how awesome this guy is was like i think the part that we were not like we were missing out on 100 um, percent. but the other yeah, takeaway so, i have yeah. from that is is it sounds to me like coach is saying that he could be back down down the stretch for actual regular season conference play yeah that'd be great um that would be awesome obviously he also said that we don't want to rush him back because right. you know an aggravated injury like that could be really bad news, but it would be yeah. really encouraging to see him back as soon as he's one hundred percent ready to go. So, you yeah. know, sorry, Yo, thank you, Yo. We want to see you soon, Yo. Please come back. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So. That's that's kind of the lopes we we don't have. Um, we just have the one game. Um, obviously, the the kind of normally we have like some deep commentary about like the the game, but I, I do feel like in this one it's just like we had an injury. The injury threw everything off. We had to adjust, and this game was just adjusting on the fly. We came out. We still were able to win. That's really great. And now, uh, well, we Bryce we just Drew we just don't want to. Sorry, go ahead. Bryce Drew has seven days to prepare us for conference play. Yeah, and and kind of building off the whole not having a whole bunch of in-depth analysis. We just don't want to beat a dead horse about our offense because <laughs> yeah. it was the same situation this time. You know, we, we weren't, we weren't getting great looks and we got to figure something out offensively or this, especially without YO, you know, kind of garnering the defense. This could be, Oh man, I don't want to be super, you know, dire about this, but we could be in some serious trouble. Yeah, I was, I will say I was really impressed with Rayshon Harrison's playmaking in that last game. No kidding. I, yeah. I thought like, obviously he shot really well. I think he was our top scorer with like what, 18 or something, um, yeah. 16 or 18, but 18. he, he also like, I felt just like he made the defense uncomfortable. He put the defense out of position and then he found open guys. So I, I was, I was impressed with him. I actually, I know a lot of our offense has been Blackshear with the ball. I wouldn't mind to see Harrison, starting plays with the ball more, but yeah, our offense still looked kind of tough. Um, it just, it was, you know, what we've said time and time again, which is the Lopes have this willpower about them where like, they just want to win so bad. And fortunately they were able to do that on Tuesday. Yeah. Our player of the game moving into that uh, segment, you know, it's going to be a little bit repetitive here. It seems like, cause Mr. Gabe McLaughlin, Gabe McLaughlin comes off another game with a, a double double. He he yeah. had eight He's offensive awesome. rebounds, eleven total, and fourteen points. And like you said, he he came out and he he stepped up defensively in the paint. And was really chippy and physical with those guys. And uh, I said I've said it before. I'll say it again. He is my favorite player on this team. And he got the offensive rebound to potentially uh, save. Like ice the game off the, the one that he kicked out to, off, to um Josh Baker, who then made yeah. one of his two free throws. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't even get me started. Our, our free throw shooting was bad. Um, yeah. but McLaughlin, like it was, it was the same thing as the Pepperdine game. I thought where like down the stretch, it just felt like the last three minutes. It was it's kind of weird because it feels like the last three minutes of both of these games, McLaughlin's going to take over, but the way he takes over is like he's going to get the rebound, take it coast to coast and then like find an open guy or like he's yeah. going to like give it to Rayshon Harrison and then rim run and get an alley-oop. Yeah. 
but like he just makes so many high energy plays and it, it does seem like he really shines at the end of those tight games and you really need a guy like that but his his offensive rebounds his rebounding in general in this game is huge especially without yo um and he just i mean he just made some clutch plays down the stretch yeah it's really really good really he, great game he's him. just the kind of guy that you want to cheer for you know yeah i uh, i also want to add we're not going to try and i mean we're going to try and not have every single time we have a player of the game we're going to make sure that not every single time it's the same one that the actual team picks because the last two for the team have been Gabe McLaughlin and the last two for us have been Gabe McLaughlin. But that's because he's the player. He's the just like, a stud. He's a dog. I'm, I'm, sometimes yeah. it's it's irrefutable. And I think there's an argument to say that it could have been Rayshon Harrison. I think his playmaking was really good. But like McLaughlin won us that game down the stretch. And I think the same thing is true in the Pepperdine game. Yeah. He's, he's the man. 100%. Let's move into the play of the game. Now, typically, like I said last week, we're going to try and have an offensive play of the de- game and the defensive play of the game. I um I had a hard time finding a defensive play of the game because, like I said, every single time it seemed like we were playing really good defense, it, Idaho State just went and made some ridiculous contested shot. So it was it was kind of hard to to pick one. Um, I'm sure there's one out there, but I only was able to rewatch the game once, and I I was able to come up with an offensive play of the game though, and I actually picked this one while it was happening because I was like, wow this is what we've been needing offensively and we're just not getting it. Okay. Harrison drives, swung over, Bowman for three. Bad, baby! Uh, they hit a 3-0-1 in to take the lead. Looks not to be denied. Come back, found their sharpshooter on that right wing. And that's what Bowman's got to do. I like the box, I like the rebounding. But if I'm the most bang for my buck with him on the floor, So we have 1531 left in the second half. Idaho State has a two-point lead, 39-37 over the Lopes. Okay. This looks like it's coming off of a uh, a baseline out of bounds for the Lopes. There's 20 seconds on the shot clock. So either I, I don't recall whether the ball went out of bounds at 20 seconds or if we had a shot go off the rim or something like that. Regardless. Baseline out of bounds, Lopes lined up in a box and it's being inbounded from the near side of the basket. We have McLaughlin and Baker on the blocks. We have Bauman and Rayshon Harrison on the elbows and inbounding. We have Javon Blackshire. We have Gabe McLaughlin going up and trying to set a screen for Rayshon Harrison. His guy jumps that screen pretty quickly and is able to kind of get around it. But McLaughlin tries to seal him off and posts up at inside the paint. Unfortunately, it's not open. That guy played some really good defense and, and denied the pass well. And so McLaughlin has to fill outside of the paint so that he doesn't get called for three in the key. But at the same time, Bauman has kind of sealed his guy off basket side on the near side elbow. And the ball is inbounded up high with a lob. Bauman kind of tosses it off to Rayshon Harrison who is on the near side wing now and Bauman fills to the, um, he, he actually cuts to the basket. Harrison is dribbling towards the far side of the court and then turns around and tries to do a dribble handoff with Javon Blackshire. But he notices that the defender on Javon is playing really tight denial. 
and his defender has sagged off to try and um, catch a hedge if he needs to on the dribble handoff. Rayshon Harrison notices this, and there's a huge gap between the two defenders. Noah Bauman's defender has his back turned to the ball and is just following him through the lane. And so Harrison makes a great read. Instead of handing the ball off, he takes a drive at the basket. Bauman, who just cut through the paint, has now filled to the opposite side corner. His defender has stopped to play help on Rayshon Harrison, who is now at the block. Rayshon Harrison jump stops, kicks out to the corner to Bauman. Bauman, knock down three. That's your offensive play of the game. <clears throat> yeah, really good decision-making by Rayshon Harrison. This is the this is exactly the kind of thing that I was referring to, which is like the stuff that we need to see more of, which is there's this baseline out-of-bounds play. The baseline out-of-bounds play is kind of scuffed. Uh, it was supposed to be this like uh, this like up screen, and then the guy comes down, and you either hit McLaughlin, you sealed, or you you give it to uh, I don't know whoever came around Harrison or uh, yeah Harrison. It just it, it didn't work out that way. Um, so they end up like getting kind of a tough like not what you want off an inbound pass, which is like bomb and sealing forty feet from the basket, trying to like catch that lob. So like whatever, not great. But then they they give Harrison the ball, they kind of set up the offense, and then from there, like as soon as Harrison gets the ball two decisions were made that I think were really good. And one is uh, as soon as the, this dribble hand or as soon as this handoff happens to Harrison, um, what Noah Bauman does is he cuts uh, straight to the block and then opposite to the opposite three point line. Uh, and what his, what his guy has to do then is make the decision to follow him. Right. Or to stay there and help side. And initially it looks like he's going to try to like follow him, but what happens while that's going on. So that was, that was his decision. Uh, I don't know if this was the play, but what he does is he clears out, which leaves that left side of the court open for just Harrison. And uh, who's in the corner. Is that Blackshear? Blackshear. Yeah. Blackshear comes off for what looks like it's supposed to be the dribble handoff. And this is like you said, Harrison makes that decision to not pass and he takes two drives in. And what you have is uh, the immediate decision, which is like, and this is perfect execution by, um, by Rayshon Harrison. And, and because of a good decision by, by Bauman, we now have the perfect situation for Harrison, which is he's just going to attack the block. And that defender has the option of, coming over to help him and giving up a skip pass to a wide open three or just letting Harrison get the layup. And he makes the right decision, which is you don't give up the free layup, right? But because of Harrison's aggressiveness, what we have is he gets double teamed at the block. McLaughlin is sealing his guy. So that skip pass is available for Bauman, who's wide open and he's able to knock it down. So, so just really good. Like, but that aggressiveness on offense, I feel like we don't, we don't see that enough. Usually it's like the dribble handoff's not there. And so we like, go six feet back and try it again at the logo. And then we just do that seven times and then do it like really bad. ISO with four seconds. So I guess like, I'd love to see more of that because that play was really good. And I think that's the kind of stuff that happens when Ray Harrison has the ball. So how much of this is Ray Harrison being better for the system than Javon Blackshear, or is it just Javon Blackshear is injured and not as effective as he usually is? I don't know that it's either. I actually think this was the play. Like, I think the play here actually was for Harrison to get this ISO. Obviously, like, 
Uh, if Yo is in there instead of bombing, like perhaps he's going to the block and like sealing and looking for the pass. But like very clearly, like both of these players know what they want, which is Rayshon wants to drive and like either lay it up or kick. And Bauman wants to like be in the corner for a three. And so they both get to where they need to go. The And I think it sounds like that was the play was like, just let Rayshon cook, right? And Blackshear, well, it looks like he's going up for the dribble handoff. Uh, is completely clearing space for this ISO, which is which works exactly how they want it, which is he either gets the one-on-one and he's able to just get downhill and, and attack or or like get double teamed and kick. But but I don't so I, I guess to say like I don't know that I'm attributing this to some like ingenious basketball IQ by by Harrison. Uh rather I, I think it was just a good play design, good execution and a and a smart decision to like see the court. Uh, I don't know that this is any like necessarily indictment against Blackshear other than perhaps because of his injury, it's more comfortable for the team to have him off the ball to like take the pressure off. I don't know if that was intentional, but it did seem like the share of who's starting the the play with the ball in their hands was less Blackshear than normal and more Harrison than normal. I don't know, Zach, from my perspective, it appears that Rayshon Harrison is now, more more of a leader of the team what do you mean by that uh he he just seems like a guy who's stepping up on an like on a on a normal basis and he's just a stud and i think the team really respects him and i think he really loves being at gcu and i it's it's seeming to really work out well with him more so than when you know kind of Blackshire is um is running the running the show. Yeah. And I, I guess I think that's probably right. It it seems like for the last a, a lot of it the, I think is that Rayshon Harrison, I think he has a higher basketball IQ possibly. Yeah, that might be right. Yeah. He was Harrison has kind of always been for this team our volume shooter, and that like he's the guy we're looking to create shots for. He's the guy we're like he's usually the guy taking the most shots and scoring the most points. But usually that's like a situation where like, like a Chris Paul, Devin Booker thing where like Blackshear has the ball, but Harrison's shooting the ball. Now it yeah. seems like uh, Harrison's actually like in his bag a little more, if you will. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it does seem like, it does seem like we're, we're, and I actually like this because I think our like offense, like our spread ball screen was miserable, but like, I'm actually okay with like, just like five out, let Rayshon cook a little bit more. Like, Obviously, we don't want to become like the Nets under Steve Nash, but <laughs> but I like that that's something we're doing, which is like, yeah, just let Harrison like get him one on one, clear out, get in the corners, and then like let him make a smart play, right? Moving off the ball, um, our off ball movement has always been fine. I I think I think this is really good. I I think this could yeah. lead to a better overall offensive production. And and like we said, obviously the downside of not having Yo is the defensive things, but it does open up opportunities for us to have a lineup like this, where we have like McLaughlin and Bauman, two guys who can both spread the floor and like shoot the three. Right. So like with this lineup, um, we are kind of dangerous in that regard is you can't leave anybody open, right? The days sure. of like, why is going to stand at the top of the key and do a dribble handoff. And his guy is seven feet off him. Cause they know he's not going to shoot. Right. Teams can't do that against us when McLaughlin and Bauman are our big men. Cause like true. they can both shoot. True. True. And so that begs the question then, what, what does um, Bryce Drew have an issue with us going, you know, small per se? 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I think it's a it's aside seems from like, well, defensively. It seems like it is just defensive. That's what I was going to say. Is our offense? I think is better when we have those like stretch big men that can like shoot the the long ball. Yeah. Um, I think our offense is better, but but I think the hit we take defensively hurts more than whatever offensive gains there are to be had, at least in the mind of Bryce Drew is what it seems like. And honestly, I kind of think we saw that. I think the offense looked yeah. a little bit better than normal, but the defense looked a lot worse than normal. Keeping but, in mind that Idaho State is not a good defensive team. So correct. Yeah. yeah. And and we've had we've had the, you know, we we're we're known to kind of cook a little bit against bad defenses. Like it's not like we're completely inept on offense, just sure. Usually against good defenses. We had a we had a I wouldn't say an easy time, but we were frequently finding ourselves getting oops or back doors and stuff. Um yeah. just getting some nice looks at the basket in this game. Sixty-eight, not quite a high scoring game, but you know, we got looks and ended up winning the game. And actually another offensive play that I think of when I think of Harrison, even though it wasn't our play of the game was his little, um, his little footwork play at the end of the game where we were up by two. And then he was, uh, he was at mid post on the far side of the court and kind of with a dead ball back to the basket. And then the guys started like really pushing up into him and then he just pivoted and made that made that basket off the off the glass do you recall this this one uh the wait you're talking about Rayshon Harrison yeah that nice little footwork yeah. he had at the end of the game that was a sweet I way. tweeted I tweeted that he actually Rayshon Harrison actually liked my tweet about that oh that's sick <laughs> yeah because I was like I, I was like yeah it looked like he was kind of like stuck or like you know the situation you get in where like this guy is like four seconds into a five second call with a double team and like we're about to call a timeout is what it felt like yeah just for him to like take this like crazy drop step and find like an, a, a layup was just, it was awesome. It was really cool. And it was a kind of a big point in the game. Um, but yeah, I tweeted Ray Sean Harrison with, with in all caps, that footwork was insane. And then he liked the tweet. So I was like, Oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> you guys are basically on a first name basis now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know. um, um, Hey, Ray Sean Harrison is quickly becoming my second favorite player on this team. Dude, me too. He's great. He reminds me of Carlos Johnson with more basketball IQ. <laughs> <laughs> that's sorry. That I didn't mean for that to be a dig no, at Carlos. No, Johnson, no, no, no. Hey, like, no, that that is a dig at Carlos Johnson. I Carlos have... Johnson was like he was like our Trey Young, where like and, and he was sure, a jerk he can too. Score, he can score forty, but like off like a really inefficient game, you know. Yep. And so I like that Harrison. Like, I mean, obviously he can score a lot, but for the most part, he's pretty efficient, and I think he makes good decisions, and I think he's a good passer, and and for that. I think I'm more tolerant of like him taking a lot of shots because he is taking a lot of shots, but I think, I think for the most part they're in rhythm and he, he uh, makes good decisions with the ball. Sure. Do you, uh, do you listen to the Pat McAfee show ever? Uh, very occasionally. Not. So, not so you know how he has, um, he has um, Aaron Rodgers on every Tuesday. Okay. Every time he talks about Aaron Rodgers when he's not there, um, and things are being reported about Aaron Rodgers that, you know, he met him having a personal relationship with, with Aaron um, kind of contradict with those things. He'll say stuff like, well, this is being reported, but my source says <laughs> where it's like the, his source is Aaron Rodgers, but yeah, he has to say sources because yeah. <laughs> that's just like the typical reporting thing. I, uh, <laughs> I just thought of that when I was going to say, I have a, I have source. Sis that say that um 
who were we just talking about that used to be on the team? Shoot, forgetting the name. Carlos Johnson. Carlos Johnson. I have sources that say that <laughs> Carlos Johnson was a jerk. In... No way, really? <laughs> Shocker. Oh, That's so, so you say that, uh, you know, he uh, he was kind of the, the low IQ comparatively to, to Rayshon Harrison. That kind of did my heart some good. I don't know if it was low IQ. I mean, I think he, I think he took bad shots. I think like lower IQ, lower IQ. I, I think that's true. Yeah. Rayshon, I mean, he's great. And and honestly, like he's, he was really good. Like, dude, he was really good at Presbyterian man. The last couple of years, like he's been nice. Dude, you ever he's, been nice. he's, been, he's been nice at Presbyterian. <laughs> dude, that seems good. I don't, I don't want any Presbyterian slander. They are a decent, they are a decent mid-major team. That's awesome. Hey, um, another random thing that literally has nothing to do with what we were talking about. So if you look at the Western athletic conference on Ken Palm and you look at the, um, the adjusted metrics for offense and defense, you have like a couple of like heavy greens and a couple of heavy reds. But earlier when we were talking about the big 12, you look at their adjusted metrics. It is just green all the way down. Yeah. We would not be, we would not be point scorers against that team. No, no, it's a good thing that the Big 12 is not part of the WAC. Yeah. So I think uh, I right. think it's time Speaking to move of the on whack. from Idaho State. Yeah. Yeah. Are, are you wanting to move on into uh, uh, around the WAC already? We can we can take a look at the let's uh, let's take a look at our conference schedule first, and then we can. Let, let's talk about Cal Baptist really quick. I'm actually yeah, watching yeah. them right now. They're uh, they're at halftime with Portland State's 32-32 all. Um, oh. I was able to watch. I'm kind of been watching this game right now, but I was able to watch some of their game between them and Weber state. Who's in the same conference as Portland state who they're playing right now. Portland um, state for what it's worth has beaten Oregon state twice. Yes. And then also not only that, the same Weber state just beat Utah and gave, yeah. or sorry, not Utah, Utah state and gave Utah state their first loss of the season. Um, anyway, so Cal Baptist, they ended up beating Weber state couple of things that I notice is defensively they try to slip over screens and sometimes very rarely though they they try to switch um and then offensively it's just basically be- uh, a spread ball screen um often looking to feed a post up they have a couple of guys um number 12 Scotty Washington he's their volume shooter he shoots 30% of their shots um and then Number 10, Hunter Goodrick. He had the ball in his hands a lot in the game that I watched. And he seems kind of like a, I wouldn't necessarily compare him to like Gabe McLaughlin, but he's a big guy who handles the ball well and can score in, in volume. So, um, but he's only six foot seven. So, and then they have this seven foot, 255 pound, center number 35 tim i don't know do you know how to say this guy's name uh igofi (laughs) something like that (laughs) it it looks foreign um he's he's a he's a big dude um i don't want to make a comparison between him and yo but um he seems a little bit more or maybe less stout than yo you're watching yeah. this game right now. What are you seeing? Um, 
well this is like it's it's this is a game that i think is is more on because okay so for for context they're playing portland state and portland state's running a full court press so the guard play here i think is a lot more like valuable to what's happening on offense for them but what i'm seeing is like like the last time he got the ball he just got a free layup because you know, they executed a press break well, but he's just like, I guess, so I guess not to say like, I don't think this is a good indication of what he's going to be because he's doing what every other big man in the country would do in a press break, which is just sit in the short corner. And then like, if they break the press, you just get a dunk. So like I, he's doing the thing that everyone does. Uh, and he looks, he looks like he's very big and can dunk when he gets the ball in the short corner on a press break. Um, it'll, I'll, I'll keep watching. And if I notice anything else, I'll, I'll let you know. Um, but but that's what it looks like. I think they actually subbed him out, or maybe he's no, yeah, they subbed him out. Yeah, so he's I, not I, in currently. Yeah. Oh, that was a bad pass. Um, but yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, he 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 looks he looks like he kind of. I don't know if I compare him to Yo, but he does kind of look like big and and powerful inside, but not particularly like fast um, or yeah. quick. So sure. uh, I don't know, but but I think that's the kind of thing that could give us a hard time. Especially um, considering that Io is not in, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so it'll be those are actually the times when you really like IO is when the other team has like a big, like power center that like mm-hmm. attacks rather than like a finesse guy. Because the last couple teams we played, even even Idaho State, like they were kind of finesse. Like they had these centers that would like make like quick agility moves around you and shoot a reverse layup. Yeah, um, yeah. And so those are the times you're like, yeah, maybe like maybe Gabe McLaughlin should be on that guy. But with a team with like a, just a guy who wants to like stand in the short corner and dunk, um those are the times when we, we really like YL. So that'll be a challenge. I also think, I also think Cal Baptist um, is a really well coached team. Um, Rick Croy, I think is their coach's name. He's one of my Mm -hmm. favorite coaches in the conference. I really like that guy. Hey, is, Um, um, is Gerard still on that staff? Gerard Martin? Yeah, I think so. Why ain't he on on our staff, man? I don't know, man. Come on. Hey, (laughs) my all time favorite. favorite lope there actually. Oh yeah. He's great. Yeah. Anyway, I actually went to one of my favorite memories from college. Um, I don't know if you remember this. I don't know what the situation was, but uh, I, we were playing Cal Baptist at Cal Baptist on like a Saturday. Mm-hmm. And I remember making the decision to by myself do this. And it was still like one of the craziest things I've ever done is after I got off work, I drove like five hours to Riverside went to the GCU Cal Baptist game and then drove back that same night and the got same back night. at four in the morning. Yeah. You know, you I invited me, you invited like, me to go and I, yeah. I would have gone, but my family was in town, so I couldn't go. But yeah, that's right. That was like three or four years ago. But yeah. I remember like, I remember thinking like this one, this arena is like their, their stadium is like, it's a little weird, but it's really cool. I kind of mm-hmm. like their, I, they're like, it's like, I don't, I don't know. It's like a huge, like, it doesn't feel like you're in a gym. Like, it is pretty big, like, relative to other rack whack stadiums. It's it's big. But it feels like, I don't know, like, it feels like an auditorium. It's, like, a weird vibe to it. But it's really cool. Um, I had really good interactions with their fans. I thought the Cal Baptist, the the crazies, is that what they are? Yeah. Uh, they're, they have, yeah, they're, like, they have, it was so funny because this is, like, you know, the Havocs were kind of, like, getting branded. And this was, like, Cal Baptist had just joined the WAC and, like, we always kind of like these guys are just like trying to be us so hard, but they have the crazies, which is their. They section. were though. It's just the havoc, and we were like, we were all dying in this game. Like, yo, I know these guys because these guys are us. Like, like I remember being a freshman and being like, this was us three years ago. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the crazies were hype. The the fans were really cool. Their, their arena's nice. Rick Roy's great. I really 
really like Cal Baptist as a program. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was my that's my Cal Baptist memory. But they're they're a good team. Um, I think by no means uh, is this going to be an easy one, even though we're at home. Um, so we'll have to see. I mean, we'll just have to see how it how it goes. Yeah. Every time I think of Cal Baptist in their student section, I just remember, and it's been a few years actually where they've done this. They make T-shirts that say "Beat GCU" and it has the CBU. Have one. You have one. I, I I got one. It's it's like so funny. I'll I'll post a picture of the shirt later, like to show you guys. It's like so funny because it like it says like CBU beat GCU, but it's like the worst. It's like the worst design ever. <laughs> it's like Times New Roman twelve in like a weird blue letter on like a plain white t-shirt and the words are like too close to it's like so bad it's like the worst shirt ever but yeah but every, i have one of those I every time i think of, of of their student section i think of those shirts and one time um somebody posted on twitter they had like sharpied in didn't between yeah. cbu and beats yeah, Beat. <laughs> yeah it's CBU one of those i literally have that shirt. <laughs> yeah no that was that was kind of the funny part is i went to this game obviously wearing like whatever havoc attire i was wearing like i probably had like my gcu like havocs jersey on and like the socks like all the nonsense but the thing is i i didn't sit with the havocs i just like bought a ticket so i was like i was sitting not with the havocs or with their fans but i was sitting like and i remember i was sitting in the second row behind the basket with just like some cal baptist alumni (laughs) and it was so awesome i was talking to those guys dude they were so nice i i really enjoyed my my time my time there for that game. If I got an opportunity to go to Riverside to catch another Cal Baptist game, I, I definitely would. I, I like the, I like their stadium. I like their vibe. I like their fans. Here's the thing, Zach is I don't know if we could ever consider them an actual rival because there's really nothing to dislike about them. <laughs> yeah, I guess like we say that, but I, okay. I feel like we say that because they haven't like beaten us in like something that matters. Like, I feel like like that's how come that's out, like, that's if how New Mexico us, State feels about us. No, but like that's kind of true. Is like we don't think of them as like they probably think like oh like we just got to be Jesus right. You know they have like shirts and stuff for our game. Whereas like we're just like ah oh, like these guys are cool. You know now obviously New, New Mexico State doesn't think nearly as fondly of us, but I think like yeah. we think of them as like our like you know like our little brother who's like our buddy that we try to mentor. And I think New Mexico state thinks of us as like our obnoxious little brother that they want to like give a swirly to. So like, that's, that's like the difference, but I do, do you think see you out here trying like, to mentor CBU. No, I, but like, I do feel like if they were to come out and like beat the crap out of us twice and then knock us out of whack Vegas and then like their fans would like trash talk us on Twitter, we would have a super different opinion for that to happen one time. I think we'd be like, all right, like it's on, like we got it. We got to beat these guys now um their trash talk on twitter is like hey sorry about it man sorry man cbu beat gcu (laughs) we did it it's 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 actually present tense we don't have to change the shirts it's actually just the same shirt and it's no longer like we're we're no longer foreshadowing we're actually telling you what happened cbu beat gcu yeah that's actually brilliant they don't even have to redesign it they can just add the score at the bottom with like with like sharpie because it's a plain white t-shirt for some reason well, it's like the BLA shirts that the Celtics make every year. Oh my gosh. But it's like you guys you guys are not that much of a rival to us as like the Celtics are to the the Lakers. Yeah. Yeah. I don't hey, I don't know. Maybe hey, that's a good question is, like do know. we consider Cal Baptist rivals? I would say I would say probably not. Okay, so aside from New Mexico State, who who in the whack? Well, I don't do I don't dislike- really have 
I don't think we have it. I guess that's kind of what's hard is usually your rivals are teams that are in your conference that always give you a hard time, which I think will say, oh, New Mexico State or in-state rivals. And so I think the only arguments is like, you could say maybe there's a rivalry with ASU. Although I would say like, I don't, I think like the high major versus the mid-major, I, I don't know that I can ever consider that a rivalry unless yeah. the mid-major is like genuinely really good. Like, yep. Like even like Utah Valley versus like, utah right or like, gonzaga versus washington yeah i i think it's hard well, like even that's more real because like gonzaga is consistently nationally ranked and wins but like i don't know if that's like a rivalry right um whereas like even new mexico and new mexico state like that's a rivalry even though they're not in the same conference because they're both around the same level of like status and like history and hatred you know which yep. like that, that matters like having history like matters for the rivalry i would say we don't have any in-state rivals obviously like we don't really have any interaction with U of A. I don't know that we ever, like we play them once actually at the McHale center. I went to that game. It was awesome. Um, NAU is like, we just, for whatever reason, never play them. Um, and then like ASU is kind of our like rival in it. Like I think ASU fans and GCU fans like argue a lot, but like, we don't ever actually play. Like we yeah. played like what twice. Um, so that's like cute. I think New Mexico state's our rival. Uh, it's hard not having a team in state. Usually. Well, uh, who's our travel partner? Is it Cal Baptist? I actually don't know. I that would make sense if it was. I usually it's your travel partner, right? Like for a while, uh, Utah Valley and Seattle, you were travel partners. So I don't know if they're rivals, but like, um, here I guess I can Dude, figure hey, it out. No, I looking. think New Mexico State yeah. is our travel partner. If I'm rem- if I'm recalling the the wax schedule correctly, I could be super wrong though. I thought their travel partner was um, UTRGV. But now I guess there's more Texas schools now, so that wouldn't be the case. That used to be the case a while ago. Yeah. Um, we play. Our schedule's weird. Okay, so Sam Houston and Stephen F. Austin are travel partners. It looks like we have UT Arlington and Cal Baptist on the same spread. Are they travel partners? That can't be right. Oh, maybe maybe Utah Tech. Because they're, they're the closest school to us other than... No, they are the closest school to us. Yeah. With, like, it's easier with other conferences, like the Pac-12, for example, you know who the... Tra- like, you know, it's like the Arizonas, ASU and the U of Oregons, a, the Washington... Yeah. yeah, but, like, the Arizonas, the Oregons, the Washingtons, um, and then, like, USC, UCLA, like, obviously, like, the LA teams, mm-hmm. um, and then, like, Utah, Colorado. So, like, that no. makes sense. I don't know... Um, can I tell you who my least yeah. favorite team aside from New Mexico State is? Yeah. Utah Valley. Really? Because that, that one year surprising. they were super good. And they beat us at home, I think. Or no, it was a one-point game at home or a two-point game at home, and we beat them. But they also smoked us at Utah Valley. But then we beat them by a few points in the tournament, and I was like, oh, my God, we're actually going to the championship game. And that would have been actually the year that we were covering – the season because I actually went to that championship game against New Mexico state and we got smoked in that game. Oh, in Vegas. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Man. Yeah. I don't know. I don't mind Utah Valley. I, I think like, I guess it's hard because I, I generally speaking in the non-conference, I like to root for all the whack teams. Um, and I like to root for whatever whack teams in the tournament, but I think it is like, I, I don't like New Mexico state because we have a lot of bad blood with New Mexico State, right? We have a lot of, like, games that hurt. We have a lot of, like, 
bad interactions with their fans. And that's, that's honestly, those are the two things I think that make like a rivalry. The problem is you need that on both sides, which is like, we've lost big games to them and we've had really bad interactions with their fans. Yeah. And I think the more we beat them in big games, the more bad interactions their fans will have. And their fans have had a lot of bad interactions with us. There's there's very clearly really bad blood between New Mexico State and GCU fans, worse than any other pair of schools in the conference. Um, like no other schools, I think, in our conference have that bad blood with each other. I think that we have, unless there's like something between some of the new schools that like I just we just don't know about. But it does seem like there's a lot of bad blood there. What there's not is the history, just given that GCU hasn't been around for that long. And the New Mexico State's leaving after this year. It's going to be kind of weird because I don't know. Like, I don't We should honestly I can, schedule yeah. non-conference games with them. We should. I, I would, think we that should. That would suck, but it would also I, be no, awesome I think that'd be. I think we should. I mean, they, they, they play UTEP. Like, UTEP and New Mexico State are there, like, big rivals. Yeah. Right, and they play them twice a year. We can play them. I would, I'd be okay to play them once a year. I'd be okay to play ASU once a year. I think it'd be a good rivalry. I've been saying for a long time that we should have like an in-state round robin invitational with the four division one teams with like ASU, U of A, NAU, and GCU. I think it would just be cool, even though we'd like beat NAU and we'd get smoked by U of A and then like God knows what would happen with ASU because they're the most unpredictable <laughs> team on planet Earth. Yeah. Um, dude, Cal Baptist is kind of getting owned right now by Portland State. Yeah. It's that full Not court press is giving him a hard time. Yeah, this press is killing him. Maybe Bryce Drew should should uh, come up with the press. Come up with the press yeah. break. So, so this is that's Cal Baptist. That's our first game. Um, what do you? If you had to guess, we have eighteen games. Um, the notable things about our conference schedule is we only play Sam Houston State once, and it is on the road, which is kind of unfortunate. We only play Utah Valley once and it is at home. So those are kind of the two big things is we, we fortunately don't have to play Utah Valley on the road, which Utah Valley looks really good right now. We'll talk about them in a little bit. And we unfortunately don't get to play Sam Houston at home. Other than that, we have Seattle twice. We have New Mexico state twice. Um, Stephen F. Austin. We have twice uh, Abilene Christian. We have twice. Uh, there's not really any other teams I'm worried about. Uh, Cal Baptist, we we have twice. Yeah, so so it is like those are the two kind of tricky situations. Um, if you had to if you had to predict, what do you think our conference record will be? I'm gonna go with six losses. Yeah, I got I got us losing to Sam Houston State. I got us losing to Utah Valley. I got us losing both games to New Mexico State. And then I think we're going to drop one game to Stephen F. Austin home or away. I don't think it's going to make much of a difference. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to lose one of those games is my guess. And then I'm thinking we're probably going to lose a random game. And if I were to guess who it would be to, uh, I would say maybe um, Southern Utah on the road. I am in complete agreement with you about everything you just said. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the exact same thing. I think 12, I think 12 and six. And I think we're gonna we're gonna lose twice to New Mexico State. Utah Valley looks awesome. They're better than us. Thankfully, we only played them once. We're gonna lose. I think we're gonna lose to Sam Houston. We're gonna lose to Utah Valley. We're gonna lose twice to New Mexico State. That's four. Uh, I do think we will lose one of the Stephen F. Austin games. They're kind of even though they're not ranked very highly, they're they're not having a nice stretch right now. They kind of look dangerous. I have a hard time believing we'll beat them twice. I do think we'll beat Seattle twice. Yep. But yeah, I can see us like having a bad game and like losing do we have our oh we only have utrg i was gonna say you losing at utrgv would be like a game i totally can see just because they play hard i could see us losing 
at Cal Baptist, where we're actually, according to Ken Palm, we are projected to lose that game. We're also projected to lose the game at Southern Utah. Yeah. But we're projected to win at home against New Mexico State in Utah Valley, and I don't think that's going to happen. So Ken Palm, prior to us, you know, playing all the non-conference games, had us at a 12 and six projection for the for the WAC season. Yeah. But we are now projected 11 and seven for the WAC yeah. season. So I can see 11 and seven, but I, I think 12 and six, <clears throat> if we handle business, I, I think what that's going to come down to is like, are we going to consistently put away the bad teams? Like, are we going to let games, are we going to lose a game to Tarleton on the road? Are we going to lose to Abilene Christian? Like those are the ones where it's like, <laughs> if we handle business and lose to the good teams and go 12 and six, that's what I expect. Um, yeah. If we do worse than that, I'm, I'm concerned. What does it take to get a top two seed then? Well, a top two seed, I, I don't know. I, I have my eye on a top four seed because those are the ones that get first round buys. Um, okay. But but a top two seed, I would say you could have four losses. I think I think the two seed will have four losses. So you're saying split with New Mexico State and then not lose that game to Southern Utah? Yeah, I think if we lose, even like realistically, what I could see is I think we lose to Sam Houston and I think we get swept by New Mexico State. But I could see us beating Seattle twice. I could see us beating Utah Valley at home. Like we're at home, we could do it, uh, and that's sure. what like that's just three losses. And then realistically, like what we could just lose. I don't know a Stephen F. Austin game. We could lose a Southern Utah game. But like yeah, we could like four is possible. It's not out of the out of the realm of like possibility. But I would just say there's there's three games I think we're not gonna win, and that's at Sam Houston and New Mexico State twice. So then to say, are we going to win every other game? Probably not. Uh, yeah, I think I think 11 and, uh, or 12 and 6 is, is good. I think four losses is possible, but unlikely. But but I still think 12 and 6 will put us in a position to be the four seed, which which I think is fine. We're okay with that. Do you, are, are you 100% certain that we're losing to New Mexico State at home? No, I'm not 100% certain, but I, I don't I I don't feel great about it. Yeah, yeah. I feel like they're kind of starting to come into to stride a little bit, and we'll talk about them. I know they had a they had a tough time against Kent State yesterday, but Kent State's also pretty good. Um, we'll, we'll have to see what they do. I think they're good. I don't think they're as good as years past. Where like I don't think they're just like cutting away better. I actually don't think I I would say if I were doing power rankings, I would say they're third in the whack right now, and I would maybe say that we're fourth, fourth with, yeah. with with with. I think Utah Valley is number two with the tear that they're on. And Sam Houston is kind of still at, at number one. Sure. Well, um, and then after that, it gets muddy. Keep but. in mind, uh, New Mexico state did struggle a little bit with North Carolina a and T today. Yeah. They did not have a very good tournament just in general. Yeah. They only beat them by nine. So yeah, let's, uh, let's head into around the whack. What do you have for us today? Around the whack, I want to look at I want to look at UT Arlington because they have absolutely they've done it in that like they have just baffled me this week because they have had two days apart, two of the most ridiculous performances I've ever seen. Which is so we talked earlier about San Francisco beat ASU. Well, on Monday, UT Arlington actually went into San Francisco as the number 275 team in the country, they went into number 87 San Francisco and beat them on a road in a game where they were like 15, 14 and a half point dogs. 
Like just they an almost awesome threw, performance. They, they did. Almost well, they were up by a lot. They really like they had a hard time late in the game when San Francisco brought the intensity up. Um, like it really looked like they were going to give it away. Um, they made so many mistakes down the stretch, but you know they had they had a sizable lead, and so they had a lot of like they had a lot to play with, and and they were able to hold on, which is huge. San Francisco goes on to then dominate Arizona State, who's a top twenty-five team. But for much UT longer. Arlington goes on to lose to Cal, who was zero and twelve just two days later. The worst Cal team in Power Five basketball, the worst Power Five team in the country, uh, and that's Cal's first win. And they lost that game by twelve. Cal was zero and twelve going into that game. So, <laughs> so I think what this shows is, well, UT Arlington is not a very good team. They have had some performances that make me think like, oh, this team can do some damage. They lost to LSU by four just the week before. Um, They beat San Francisco. You know, they had a pretty close game against Oklahoma State in the beginning of the year. So they've also like, you know, they have some really egregious losses. Obviously, the Cal one is their worst Ken Palm loss that we just talked about. But yeah, they're they're a confusing team. Um, They're a team that I think is not very good, but has the upside to like pull an upset on given nights like they're a team that i think will probably finish around like 11th or 12th in the conference but could totally steal a game against a top five team in sure. conference play um okay. the next team we have to talk about is utah valley and i'm just gonna say it this team's awesome they're just awesome they've won six in a row we they won by 15 at byu which we talked about earlier byu was ranked 91st in the country at the time uh, then they went on. Then they went on after after winning, you know, five games in a row. They were on a five game winning streak uh, two days ago. They went into Oregon and beat them. Oregon is number forty six in the country, according to Bracketology. They were like in as an at large bid. With this loss, they've actually dropped to a first four out team, so like still still like probably a tournament team or they're a bubble team. Yeah. Um, just two two massive wins for Utah Valley in the middle of a six game winning streak. Um, they just look really good and they're coming into conference play with their first game being at home against sam houston state which is a massive game and on the first day of conference play um thursday december 29th i i know we're talking about like we'll probably be at that gcu cal baptist game i am keeping my eye on this game this this could be i mean this could be the best game of the season in whack play like it could be the one in the two seed um and it's the only time they play this year it's it's also really nice that Utah Valley is at home for that game. It is. Because I think, yeah. honestly, any team that's going to go into Sam Houston State is going to struggle. Yeah. Probably so mightily. I, I'm really excited to watch that game because both of these teams just look really good to me right now. Um, Sam Houston, like we said, they have those tough losses. But, you know, Nevada, the Nevada game we talked about extensively. I think that game is nonsense. And then the Oklahoma State game, like, that's a great team. They have two top 50 wins. They're 2-1 and one in quad A. Um, like they just look nice. So that's, that's kind of a huge game, dude. Sam Houston low key has the worst schedule ever. Utah Valley away two days later, New Mexico state away. And then their next game's a home game against GCU. So it looks like, like they could, it looks like yeah. Utah Valley and New Mexico state are travel partners then. Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe. And then GCU and Tarleton. Uh, oh yeah, maybe it, it could be, it could very well be the case that Sam Houston, the team who I think is favored by almost everyone to be the one seed is playing the second, third and fourth best teams 
in three consecutive games to start the season. And I think if they go three and zero in that stretch, I will be ready to crown them like the team. Um, just like, I don't know. And let's that, say like, that's, they're actually projected to lose two out of three of these. They're projected to lose both their road games and then beat GCU. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that, but like, man, some big, like heavy games to start off conference play with for, for them. Um, but Utah Valley looks really great. I would say they've jumped up to number two in my power rankings. In fact, they've jumped to number two in Ken Palm rankings up to one Oh three, which puts them second behind Sam Houston state. Who's 80th, um, New Mexico state shortly behind it. Uh, one, uh, what are they? One thirteen. And then GCU right behind them at 114. And I actually agree. I think the Ken Palm rankings has that right as far as I would say those probably are in order the four best teams. Um, Seattle U has dropped to seventh. Um, keep, keep in mind what I'm telling you right now that according to Ken Palm rankings, which I think are accurate, Seattle is ranked 162 and seventh in the country. So when we get into the Wimmers, uh, just know that according to an actually good metric, <laughs> Seattle is seventh in the country. Or That's seventh. How you really feel, Zach. I am. This team's bad. Um, Cal Baptist is fifth. Southern Utah is sixth. Um, and and I, yeah, I don't know. I guess like I, I actually don't know if Seattle's like Seattle might be better than Southern Utah. They might be better than Cal Baptist. Maybe not. I actually I would put them behind both of those teams. I think they got it right. Hey, Southern um, Utah is the number one scoring team in the nation. Did you know this? They're so fun, man. <laughs> Southern Utah's yeah, they're just. Wait, number one. What do you mean, number one scoring team in the nation? Like, according to what? I thought I saw something that was like ninety-one points. Let me let me find this. I will okay. find this. Continue on with your with what you were saying. Um, yeah. So so that's the the Ken Palm rankings is Seattle's seventh. Um, Sam Houston, Utah Valley, New Mexico State, and GCU is the top four, and I think that's right. Um, a lot of big games early on. <laughs> Um, the other team that I kind of have been keeping an eye on is like a team that I think might not be too bad. Uh, that's kind of figuring it out is, is this Stephen F Austin team. They had a really bad start to the season with, uh, you know, in November, they lost three games and then December 1st, they lost all teams that are not very good. Alcorn state beat them who GCU and Seattle both kind of destroyed. Um, middle Tennessee beat them. Um, Northwestern state beat them they had some bad losses but they're now in a stretch where they're playing pretty well um they lost to Furman by two in overtime at the buzzer or not in overtime they lost to Furman by two uh Furman's a really good team um they looked pretty good in the Jackson State game today they won by 11 they're they're I think playing a little better they've won four out of their last five in their losses to Furman in a close one I'm keeping an eye on them as a team that like if they get into stride I think they have a lot of talent um so, so we'll see what they do. Um, yeah. And then obviously like Tarleton is the team that I think like low key is just the most slept on team on the planet. Um, and I've kind of been saying that I've been like jokingly saying this all year, Tarleton's 10th in the conference right now because they're six and six and they only have one loss outside of the top 100 and it's a road game to air force. Who's like not too bad. They beat Belmont. Yeah. They beat Boston college. Um, they beat Montana. Did they? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So so they're not bad at all. Um, I think that they're underrated. I think that not to say that they're like really good, but this is the team who you might see as 10th in the conference, but actually is kind of dangerous. Um, and they kind of start with the easy stretch of conference where they have UT Arlington, 
Abilene Christian, and then Southern Utah at home. Um, so the, and then they have also have a game against Chicago State just in there for some reason. So so they could they could go on a nice little streak. Um, keep an eye out for for Tarleton. But yeah, that's kind of what I have for the whack. Uh, New Mexico State is to me like good but not great. The only thing that I the only team that I think is really like really really good and I think uh, unwavering is Sam Houston. Everyone else I think is beatable. Um, but yeah, Sam Houston up top. Utah Valley's good. Seattle U just keeps getting. Um, because they're bad, as previously mentioned. Um, GCU looks kind of like a mess. Um, but yeah, that, that's what I got for the WAC. Um, I'm definitely keeping an eye on some big games on the 29th, the first day of conference play. So cool. be on the lookout for that. Let's talk about Wimmers, our favorite subject in the world. Okay, so remember how I said Seattle is seventh in Ken Palm rankings? Yeah. They are 162 in the country and they're seventh in the conference in Ken Palm rankings. So according to the Wimmers, which keep in mind, this is as of three days ago. So this does not have their absolute like brutality that they experienced at the hand of Utah state. But even before that game, they were 146 and they were like fifth in the conference. As of right now, Sam Houston is the one seed, which I think no one will dispute. Seattle U is still number two, which like unbelievable. I don't know why. Like, I don't know why this algorithm likes Seattle so much, but it's driving me crazy. I'm pretty sure they're top 100 in the net too, which again, like why? Um, so that's really, that's really crazy to me that Seattle's still too. And I know, like, I guess the, the idea has been like, what we've said is, well, they haven't played anyone good. And once they start playing good teams and losing, they'll drop. And they're just not like, they're just they're losing. They lost to Oregon State. They got blown out by Utah. Um, by by Utah State. They're they're still second. Um, we'll see if that changes after this loss, but they're at number two, and I think that's kind of crazy. GCU is at number three, which I also think is crazy. But keep in mind that these games do not are not taking into account yesterday's or Tuesday's games, which are GCU having a really tough time against Idaho State and also uh Utah Valley's win against Oregon. So Utah Valley. Uh, is fourth right now, but I think we'll probably, hopefully, if, if all things are right, jump into second with that win, with the Seattle loss and with the GCU kind of bad win. Uh, and then New Mexico State is fifth, which which I think like is still kind of low. I would probably have them at third. But, but yeah, Seattle just for whatever reason is so inflated, and I just don't know why. They're at a 1.37, and New Mexico State's at a 0.21. So even if they lose points for losing to Utah State, which they will, it's not going to be enough to put them below New Mexico State, who lost a game to Kent State in the meantime, right? So they're probably not going to even go up at all. Um, yeah, and GCU's at a 1.10. Why GCU and Seattle are so much higher than New Mexico State, I don't know. Uh, Utah Valley at 0.61. I don't know if that'll jump high enough to pass Seattle at 1.37. It, it's very possible that Seattle is still two. And like GCU is four and New Mexico State's five after this, after these weeks of games with the Wimmers. And Utah Tech is sixth. And I just like they're they're just not very good. Like that's really weird to me that they're that they're right behind the crowd at sixth above Southern Utah and Utah Valley. Um so there's a lot of there's a lot that's just I think bad. And I think like we've already addressed it. Like I don't need to address it anymore because we know why it's bad. It's bad because it's based off the net rankings and the net rankings suck. But um, this is, you know, 
this is something we have to keep an eye on because it determines seeding. And, uh, you know, I hope it evens out once we get into conference play. Cool. Um, I found out the, uh, the whole thing I was saying about Southern Utah. So I said they were the number one team in the nation in points per game. Yeah. They are actually number two in the nation in points per game at 90. Okay. Oh my gosh. Okay. Who do you think is number one? Points per game? Like most points scored? Scoring offense per game. Let me also say this. Okay. Southern Utah, they're scoring 90 points per game. Um, That includes games where they won 117 to 55 over non-division one Laverne. 91 to 48 over non-division one St. Catherine oh, four non-division one games. 126 to 67 over Bethesda and 120 to 49 over non-division one West coast Baptist. So it is certainly inflated, <laughs> um, but they are the number two team in the nation at 90. They're actually tied for second. I'm going to let you first guess who the number one team in the nation is for points. I have not the slightest idea. I don't even know where you're looking or where to even like. See this is this is on no just idea. the NCAA.com. Um, James oh. Madison is the number one team in the nation at 93.2 points per game. Who do you okay? Yeah. Who do you think the number two team um, tied with Southern Utah is? Relevant to you, uh, this, the Citadel. No. That's a great oh, guess. Though. That's hilarious. Yeah, that seems like something <laughs> they would be. They 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 shoot 150 shots a game. Uh, is it Seattle U? No, it's U of A. Okay. Yep. Oh, yeah. U they're of a good. and Southern U Utah really tied good. at 90, number two in the nation in scoring sense. offense. Okay. Hey, let's go to scoring defense. Who do you think is the number one team in scoring defense? Houston? I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. The top four. My are guess relevant. would be Houston. Are the top four uh, are relevant to us? Number one is Houston, correct? They're at 49 Sam points per game. Is Sam Houston on this list? Yep, they're in the top four. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me either. Okay, Sam neither Houston of those surprise me. Four. Um, okay, guess who number is, two is? Okay, teams who are really good defensively. Uh, man, all, uh, all is, four of these are, are relevant to us. Relevant to us. Uh, so Houston, okay. we, we've talked about Houston, Sam, Houston yeah, Sam Houston in our conference. Um, is it Yukon? Nope. Okay. Okay. So number two is a team that we've played. A team that we played. Uh, all right. Let's see. Uh, is it North Texas? It is green. Okay. 51.6 points per game. And then number three, um, I wouldn't say is super relevant to us, but their coach is relevant (laughs) to us. Oh, Mississippi state at 52.6. That seems crazy. They're actually hilarious. I, yeah, that team's so good. Yeah. Hey, so, yeah. what are the odds? And this is like, okay, just bear with me here. <laughs> Three bid conference USA. Let me uh, let me pull up conference USA really quick. Florida Atlantic is number forty in the country. UAB is number forty-two in the country, and North Texas is number fifty-four in the country. Okay, then the odds are pretty high. Then yeah, this is a great like this conference is seriously awesome. Well, at the top, it's seriously awesome. At the top, it's top heavy. Yeah. Hey, Charlotte is one hundred and eight in there, <laughs> dude. Charlotte's not bad. They're they're sneaking in. You know, the team is like low key, actually crazy. Uh, let me find them. It's College of Charleston. That team's awesome. Yes, they are. What conference are they in? They're in the. They're in the. Dude. Oh my gosh! I, <laughs> the, I totally know this conference. Oh no! I know this is so annoying. Um, College of Charleston. Is, are oh, they in the colonial? No, they. I don't think so. 
Let me let me check really quick. I think they might be in the south. Uh, the southern. I think they're Commons. in the colonial. They're not in the SoCon. Oh, you're right. They are Charleston, right there. Yeah. yeah. No, the SoCon is is Furman, the Purple Paladins. Uh, yep. Yep. Furman, Greensboro, Wofford, um, those guys. ETSU is a good team. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the SoCon a lot. Um, but yeah, yeah, the Colonial is kind of a tough conference. Um, just a bunch of mid teams over here. It's kind of like the WAC, actually. Yeah, the WAC very, is very similar. In the WAC teams, the WAC teams would smack the Colonial teams, like the bottom half the of the Colonial teams. Yeah, All, no, I think like one to one, like every line along the way, I'll take the WAC in almost every spot. Okay. That's like, reasonable, I would say. I'll take Sam up. Houston over Charleston. And then after that, I think it gets really bad. Like Utah Valley, I think, would smoke Wilmington. Uh, New Mexico State would own Towson. GCU would kill Hofstra. You know, like, I don't know. I just think, like, I think this is right. And then, like, you, you, their number... you're, you're that confident in GCU to kill Hofstra? We, we lost to LMU at home. Hofstra's kind of bad. <laughs> Hofstra's ranked a lot lower than LMU. No, they're not. No? What was Hofstra's LMU? Hofstra's ranked 138. LMU is, what like, was LMU? 50s. Dude, this is unless I'm totally Maybe making nothing. that up. No, I think you're right. I think they're 147. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Do you have anything well, else for us tonight, Zach? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. Lopes up. Um, yeah. big big conference play next week. Um, looking forward to it. I hope the Lopes prove me wrong and they they go better than better than 12 and six. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll see you, Cal Baptist, Rick Croy. We're coming for you. See you. See you next. Next. Uh, whatever today is. Next Thursday. Yep. And if you're at the uh, if you're at the GCU game on Thursday, I will be in the valley and I will be at the game and I'm really looking forward to it. And also, if you're around, I think you can get free tickets. Uh, oh, what's the promo code? Promo code something. I don't know. We'll post it somewhere. Yeah. There's a promo code to get free tickets because everyone's on break. But if you're in town and want to go to a game, uh, free tickets. Um, lopes up. Yeah. That's all I got. All right. Take care, guys. Lopes up. Peace.